0: Hi guys, it's me, Lindsay Pinchuk, host and founder of Dear Found Her. And before we get into today's episode, I have some exciting news. You've asked and I'm answering. We're taking Dear Found Her live for some much anticipated networking events starting this fall. We'll be kicking things off where I live in Chicagoland with the goal to add more cities to our lineup in 2024. Our events will be free. You just have to be a female founder, but you'll have to RSVP. So make sure you get on our list so that you are the first to know when registration goes live. Space is limited. The links in the show notes. I can't wait to meet you. Dear Founder, as you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Dear Founder podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. As I've shared over the last couple of weeks, it has been difficult to drop normal episodes and normal content here as if the world is normal right now, because it is anything but. However, I do want to get back to dropping and sharing these amazing stories from the female founders that I connect with each and every week. I want to continue to learn from them, to grow from them, to benefit from them, and to know that we have their support and that you have their support. So I am trying very hard to get back to dropping these interviews and these conversations that I've had over the last few months. So today's guest is special for so many reasons. Number one, I have had the honor and privilege of including her company on my client roster, which has not only been so much fun, but it's made me very cool among at least one of my kids in my household. Number two, I came to today's guest through another past podcast guest of mine, which is a testament to how networking actually works and how a podcast can really impact your business and your bottom line. And number three, her company Sticker Beans and their community has raised $20,000 for Friends of the IDF over the last few weeks. This is through a custom Star of David sticker that they launched just three weeks ago And by sticker beans matching the donations from the sales of the sticker. I am really so proud of them and it was so important to me to be able to share that huge donation number with you because it is $20,000 and counting. So before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to say hi. I'm your host, Lindsay Pinchuk. And for those of you who are new around here, I've been building brands for nearly 25 years. After a decade in corporate America, I started my own company back in 2010 with just a $500 investment. I bootstrapped that company and grew it to reach 3 million users per month across multiple platforms and generate seven figures in revenue for six years straight. I built this company through practical, cost-effective, organic marketing strategies, and this was all before I led its acquisition to a large agency-holding company in 2019." Two years later, I exited with one goal, to support other female founders and business women through their own entrepreneurship journeys. So this podcast is my twice-weekly letter to you to inspire you to find success through whatever it is that you are doing. Today, I use my experience and my proven strategies to make marketing simple for you and your brand. Honestly, that's it. My mission is very straightforward. So if there's anything that you want to hear about or Anything that you want me to share to help you through your own endeavors, I invite you to reach out. Simply email me Lindsay at or you can DM me at Lindsay on Instagram. And if you're inspired by today's episode, I invite you to share it. Text it to a friend or share it to your stories on Instagram. If you tag at Lindsay Pinchuk or at DearFound Her, I will absolutely come and say hi and I will likely reshare it. And as always, if you like what you're hearing, we would love it if you left a five-star rating or review or you subscribe to the show as that is how other entrepreneurs discover our show and the incredible stories that we share here each and every week. Simply go to www.ratethispodcast.com forward slash dear founder. So let's meet today's guest. Today's guest is half of the founding team at Sticker Beans. Dana Runyon and her business partner, Kim are also moms with seven children between them. The idea of sticker beans, rhinestone stickers came from both women's favorite childhood pastime of sticker collecting combined with their passion for creativity and love for anything that sparkles. The idea of helping to bring back sticker collecting and giving kids some much needed time unplugged also appealed to the moms in them. Today's Sticker Beans is considered to be the original collectible rhinestone sticker and they have sold, hold on to your seats, over 3 million Sticker Beans and are cherished by their adorable customers around the world, including my own daughter. So for now, I want you to come on in and meet my friend, Dana Runyon. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Found Her. I'm so excited about today's guest because I've had the privilege and the honor of doing some work for her and getting to know her on a a much greater scale than many of the guests that come on the show. But Dana Runyon is the co-founder of Sticker Beans. And if you don't know what Sticker Beans is, you will certainly know what Sticker Beans is when we're done with this episode. But I am so excited, Dana, that you're here. I'm so excited to share your story. What you've built out of stickers is amazing. Thank you. And I can't wait to share your story. So why don't you kick us off and tell us all about sticker beans and your story and how you came up with this idea.
1: Sure. So, um, my partner, Kim and I had been working together, dabbling in some other like creative ventures. Um, we started an invitation business probably eight years ago, nine years ago. We were both creative spirits. I mean, that's just how I would define both of us. We even like we're beating bracelets. We were selling camp bracelets um, which kind of gave us an introduction into that whole like camp world of retail, which is interesting. Um, we met some kind of fun, nice buyers that way. Um, but that wasn't, that was more of a hobby, I would say. I think there's like a very big difference between a, a hobby and a, a business idea. Um, and fast forward. So we came up with um, this concept of embellishing boxes in rhinestones because there were some in the market that were really high-end and overpriced and no one could really afford it or wanted to pay for for their like kids stuff so we wound up buying like on like amazon like random um, rhinestone stickers embellishing these lucite boxes filling them with candy and We had like friends and family that ordered them and it was really super cool. We loved, we fell in love with the idea of like this rhinestone embellishment. And literally one day we were like just talking, we're like, wouldn't it be amazing? You remember back in the day when we were obsessed with stickers and we had the puffy stickers, we wound up reminiscing about the smelly stickers, the puffy stickers, the oily stickers, all the things that we collected when we were kids. And we're like, this would be such a modern day version of just that. So we literally took like pen to paper and came up with, we're like, okay, well, if we were to do this, what would be our first collection? And not to age this whole thing or ourselves, but I feel like emojis were like, just possibly getting popular. It was, you know, 2015, I think, when we like started designing this whole idea. And um, so we, a lot of them were emoji inspired stickers. Some of them were just like rainbows and unicorns, that kind of thing. We came up with 25 stickers that we thought would be a great way to start. And we found a company and that that's a piece of the story that I, it's like, like finding a needle in a haystack really because obviously it's an, inter- not obviously, but it's an international partnership. But we did find one and we sent them these images and my guess is like, and, and literally, we didn't even have samples made. This is the craziest thing. Like, we got artwork sent back. And we're like, that looks amazing. And we put in this order. We put in an order for a 1,000 of each of the 25 stickers. So arriving at my doorstep at my house in Demarest, we got 25 small boxes from a factory overseas. And we were so nervous. Like, we really, literally had no idea what we were opening and she came over. I waited for Kim to come and in my dining room. I think we posted a picture to social recently. We like opened up all these brown, dirty boxes, and we like we were like crying, laughing, crying. Like we could not believe what we were looking at. We just could not believe they they so exceeded our expectations, and we just knew it the minute you opened the first box.
0: You just knew that this was like super cool, like beyond cool, and that's where it started. So when you opened these first boxes, did you have a plan for what you were going to do with them or how you were going to sell them? Nope. So um, we
1: literally, again, went on the World Wide Web and found a like display that would like hold these that we had. We actually were smart enough to make sure they had like, you know, the holes for the pegs. We didn't know much about, you know, marketing and merchandising or anything back then. We found a display that coincidentally had 25 pegs on the front and we took a stack. We put it on each one. It looked even better by the way. And they do anyone who knows our product knows the more of them there are. If you see the wall behind me, the better they look. Um, and we took this rack and like I said, you know, we did make some connections in retail in New York when we started our little hobbies before this one. So I had a few people to call I, I had actually become friendly with a few buyers and I said, any chance we could run by and just show you a new product. And they're so nice. I mean, of course come we took the rack in the car and like literally just took the rack to the road. And I mean, then, then yeah, the rest is history. Cause
0: part of the, the part of that story that I love is at the end, when you talk about leveraging, leveraging your relationships, because mm-hmm. had you not had those relationships, it might've, taking a different turn, it might've, you might've had a different outcome if you yeah. didn't know any of those buyers. And I just want to point that out because I think a lot of people listening often don't know where to start. And so I often say you need to look at who's within your network in order to get started. And you did that.
1: Yeah. Um, the, yeah, go ahead. Well, what I was going to say is I think, first of all, I think in my experience, most of the buyers, at least in the ex- Girls' accessories, that's, like, kind of what our, our product falls under. It's an accessory, and it's typically marketed to girls. Um, there are typically female buyers. Um, I find that my experience, even though I know, like, everyone has preconceived notions about women working with women. Some people think women might be harder to work with. I do not feel that way. I have found women... Aqu- you and I Lindsay have talked about this so often about how other women female founders of other businesses and buyers for me or they we they've all helped me in a million trillion ways I mean I found the buyers to be so supportive receptive i i will t- I could tell you stories about buyers that without their help in the very beginning, we wouldn't I don't know that it would have happened I mean and they were and they They've like rooted us on and have all these years. That's the part that's really amazing.
0: Is the so longevity of you that. You just said all of these years. I want you to tell everyone how many years it's been. Right. So um that was the first batch
1: landed in 2015, but we, you know, pretty much went to market in the earlier part of 2016. Um and the thing I will say, and I've said to you, and I've said it on social, I think a few times is that there is no doubt in my mind that New York specifically sets a trend. I can't even begin to tell you that Lester's back in the day. And I mean, Lester's, Denny's, we have other, we have other accounts. They were the first to place their orders. And the minute they did, the thing is, there's like territorial stuff that goes on in this world. where like, They post to social, like, look what we found. We've had new product alert, sticker. And by the way, there were like typos. It was like sticker beans have landed, like crazy stuff. And the minute these handful of stores in New York posted, this was the part we weren't prepared for. We had stores across the country who were following. This is like, I guess, I mean, Lindsay, you would know more than me. Instagram 2016, how new
0: was it? I mean... I would say like I got my Instagram from my first company in 2012 or 2013. And that was pretty early. So I would say 2015, 2016, things were still very new and it was still an uncharted territory for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But if if for stores that were ahead of the curve, I guess, or ahead of the, the trend, whatever you call it, that already had their Instagram accounts, they're all following each other. And it's weird. I mean, and and so they all follow each other. All the stores follow the other stores. And the minute these New York stores posted about stickers, we got a hundred plus stores maybe that reached out to say, what are sticker beans? Can we get a catalog? Can we get information?
0: So one of the things that I want to ask you is what was the initial reaction when you first took those stickers out? I mean you can't look at sticker beans and not smile. I, I mean, the product is amazing. It speaks for itself. You know, I mean, I've shared this with you many times. My own daughter didn't really know what they were until you and I connected. And yeah. she's obsessed now and literally comes into my office every day and is like, are there new sticker beans? So, Just- but it's one of those things that, and I actually have a couple sitting right here, but it's one of those things that you see them and you're like, I want them. So what, What? at least I feel that way, but what was that initial reaction? From the buyers. Happy product.
1: Um, I would say we got pretty much all positive feedback. I don't remember, if I had to be honest, a pitch that I gave that where I got like a oh, these are not for us kind of thing. And if I did, and there might have been a few stores that said, you know what, we'll keep you in mind, we'll you know, we'll let you know, kind of thing. But like I said, the minute the trendsetters out there posted about us, they had to it was like playing catch up at that point. When can we get them? And we, people thought we were like paying favorites. Like who got shipped? We, we were, we learned very quickly, by the way, this is so critical in retail that you ship everyone the same day. Everyone gets, cause we didn't know that in the beginning. And like, we would get like orders out kind of as we could do them, but a store would see, you know, A store in Livingston would post, oh, we just got sticker beads. The other stores would be like, we placed that order two weeks ago. Where's our order? You know, they got mad and they should have. They were right. But again, learning curve. So, um, yeah. So we got all positive feedback. I feel like this is so weird and ironic, but I have one weird memory of a store in, like, Texas, maybe, like, saying, ooh, rhinestones are so, like, yesterday, you know? and. (laughs) My partner and I laugh because like I think of like Texas as like rhinestone cowboy. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: so, um, but other than that, I feel like,
1: I feel like rhinestones are anyone that doesn't like sparkle. I don't know.
0: I agree. But sticker beans is a testament of the fact that if you have a product that looks good and photographs, well, it, 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 you just have to get it out there into the world because it speaks for itself. And right. to the point people saw them and then wanted them and it became a trickle down effect so much. So you never really, you have never paid for marketing. No, never. I mean, your whole Uh, business has been word of mouth. Yeah.
1: I mean, there's, there are other like curve, like twists in the story though. I mean, so when a new product comes out in, in, you know, I didn't know any of this and I know a lot about it now, but, So we really were the first rhinestone collectible sticker company. It's not like we took someone else's idea and like tweaked it. We really were the first. I mean, you could have gone back like into like a Michaels or uh, back then was scrapbooking was a big thing. So you could have gone into like a Michaels or store like that and found rhinestone like letters, maybe like the letter, the alphabet, but you did not find anything in like Dimensional, like with like a lot of color or detail or anything trendy at all. So we were the first rhinestone sticker company, period. Especially one that was like marketing for kids as a collectible toy. I mean, it's different. And we were not marketing ourselves as a scrapbooking, even though you could use them. Um, So we, as much as I, you know, there are, think about if you came up with like a flat sticker company and there's, there are thousands, thousands Talk about competitive space. I mean, that would have been really hard if we just came up with like our version of a new flat sticker. I don't. This would not have happened. It was all about the rhinestones and all about the sparkle and the. That's what it was, and and the fact that we kind of marketed these as like really special stickers.
0: So as you were learning and growing, when did this become go from like a sticker collection to like a collectible sticker? Collection and with the book, I mean, the, like the you you now have a book, which right. as you as you know, my daughter has literally organized her sticker beans in the craziest way possible. Yeah, but you didn't always have the book, and I think that the book is really the linchpin for this being a yeah. comfortable item.
1: You know, I should know the answer to this, and I honestly don't. I do think we have had the book since very early on. I don't know that it was our first summer that we did, but if it wasn't the first summer. It was like in the fall of that year, I came up with that idea. I, I don't know how I did. I had this vision of, you know, I don't have girls, but I, and I looked at these stickers. Like if I did have girls, it would have like upset me to see them like just stick the stickers thoughtlessly or like use them just like without thought. You know, I, I really looked at them like they were special and I value like the fact, and I appreciate the fact—not value the fact—I appreciate the fact that they are not an inexpensive. I mean, it's a four-dollar sticker, and I was raised in a way that, like, if my mom had bought me something like this to collect, I would have treasured it and and kept it safe. I know I would have because that's how (laughs) I was raised. I really expected our customer to do the same. I had this vision of like a baseball card in a in a in a binder. And I just was like, how can I do this? How can I do this? And then it just, we came up with the idea. And again, lucky strike number two sent my idea. I literally, I think it was pencil to paper over to, um, you know, a factory over there and they, we got it back a prototype. That was amazing. We had a book in terms of production, but, but overall, 100% hands down, this would not, this would have been, a product and not a company that had longevity without the book.
0: Hi guys. It's me, Lindsay, host of Dear Found Her. One of the strategies you hear me talking about that I use to build my own companies and that of my clients is simple partnership marketing. And so many of you have been asking for instructions on how to execute these many partnership ideas that I often talk about here on the podcast and on my Instagram So I put them all together for you in a very easy to follow and very easy to use ebook. It's called The Partnership Blueprint for Small Business, and it's a step-by-step guide to reaching thousands of new customers. Within this 40-plus page book, you'll find eight strategies and ideas for partnership marketing execution. These range from user-generated content programs to collaborative content to hosting online events and so much more. Within each tactic. There's a description of the opportunity, what's needed for success. You also get step-by-step instructions for execution. Consider it me holding your hand and walking you through the process. This also includes templates and swipe files so that you can reach out to potential partners, both via email and DM. The copy is right there for the taking. And I've also included a section in e- for each of best practices. So this ebook is for you if you're looking to build meaningful and ongoing relationships with partners in your niche, if you're looking to find new customers, or to increase the brand awareness among the right customers. It's also for you if you are looking to grow the community surrounding your brand and increase your bottom line. I gave the book a test run among some of my past students, and not only was the feedback amazing, but one of my past students, Eliander, founder of Chicago North Shore Moms, said, I love the templates and I really love the idea of an email swap. I hadn't thought of that before. The link to grab a copy is in the show notes and you can start using these ideas right now. If you have any questions, please feel free to shoot me a DM at Lindsay Pinchuk or drop me an email at lindsay at lindsay And now back to the show. I love everything about your story because... Yes, I know there were bumps in the road, but you learned as you went and you developed your product and your collection as you went along. You learned as you were growing. And, yeah. and that really is the epitome of entrepreneurship when you think about it. Yeah. So I want you to share with everyone how many stickers you've sold. I think it really show, but I think the number really is a testament to the longevity of your product. It's been almost 10 years. Yeah. And also just how much people love them.
1: Yeah. So I think we're close to 3
0: million stickers now. It, that's like bananas when you think about it. I mean, that's to have done no official marketing. Yeah. And to have sold 3 million stickers. Right. And to have this product that We're going to get into in a minute how crazy people are for it because they are and people are crazy for it. You know, it it really is a testament to you and to Kim and what you've built and what you've put forth surrounding the brand. Thank
1: you. I appreciate that. I will say there's two other things I can't not address. Like, firstly, and this is actually a really good learning lesson. I wish someone had taught me this when I was starting. When we first launched and the stickers became a thing, there was a buyer at a, at a really important store that said to me, enjoy this while it lasts. I think I told you this
0: mm-hmm.
1: next year. It will be, they, they will, these, these customers across the country that are this type of customer next summer, next year, they are going to be on to the newest, hottest trend. And I, That was scary. It was like, I was kind of being bullied a little bit. And it is typical of like in a trend market that not many companies are like mine. Um, But another company launched the exact same year that we launched. It was called Hipstapatch. They were patches. So it was just like, and everyone thought like, and it was just a weird coincidence that sticker beans and Hipstapatch launched. So everyone thought like stickers and patches were like that summer's trend. Hipster, Hipster Patch took over as much of the um, buyer's attention that summer as sticker beans. So like, I wouldn't say we were competitors because one was a patch intended for like clothes, backpacks, whatever. And ours was a true sticker. But the following year, Hipster Patch was gonzo. Patches had a year and then patches popped up all over. And then a year later, they were gone. Maybe it was two. Me, you know, I don't know. I don't want to like. If they, I think they did very well, but it was a very short-lived. It business. was a bad. It was bad. So the thing about stickers, though, is I didn't realize this, but I should have. I, I'm, I'm not that young. I was collecting stickers forty plus years ago. I'm not saying, and, and truthfully, that really no one was collecting patches forty. So there's not that many things that stick around. Baseball cards have stuck around, stickers, right? So it I didn't realize it when I thought of a sticker, but it's actually an amazing,
0: like thing to be involved in. So what exactly do you attribute the fact that you stuck around and patches didn't? What would you what would how would you define that? I think that it's really just exactly that, that patches are not they weren't a collectible.
1: I think that it was because our stickers became something that the kids And the moms, as you know, became like enhanced. Like, like I, I, I can't people love them because they're attractive. They can collect them. We retire them. They become rare. That's a whole nother piece. We're going to get into that in a second. Yeah. I mean, and then the other thing that I was going to mention earlier is that this was part of my advice piece (laughs) was right early on when we launched and it became a thing quickly, there were like maybe five small companies that copied us. And we were panicked. We were really panicked. As a matter of fact, like it kept me up at night. I I was unwell. I did not have any proprietary anything. We did not have a copyright. I didn't even have a trademark back then, which we do now. Um, But I was really unwell because this, these, some of these companies had much more of a footprint than we obviously did. We had none. And they had like some A little bit of, like, muscle power, I felt like. Um, But what happened really quickly, and this is the thing that I now appreciate more than anything, is we... Buyers were calling me and saying, the most incredible thing is happening. We're having kids come in. By the way, the buyers were not loyal to me. They bought the other stickers because they thought it was the rhinestone sticker thing that was happening. They weren't going to be loyal to sticker beans. I was brand new. They brought in... I won't say the names, but this company, that company, this company, and they had them all hanging on a rack, but kids would come into the store and be like, these aren't real. These aren't real. Like, where's the sticker being? Like this is like not real. It's fake. And they were calling me like, I don't know how you did this. And And I didn't, the
0: kids did it. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast. As I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast, Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part? There's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FoundHer and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. You had a brand on it, and you were the first to market, right. and that is there is something to be said about that, and kids don't want the fake. They don't want the dupe of anything, and mm-hmm. I mean, even now in a time where dupes are, I mean, the word dupe is a regular household word in It's literally, it's part of our vernacular in the Pinchuk household because my kids are always like, well, I don't want the Lululemon dupe. I want the real one, right? They always want the real one. And you had a brand on it. You had already solidified your loyalty with them. You had the book and it all went together. And so I want to say ha to the, to the retailers really. And, and, and I'm glad that it worked out the way that it did, because in my opinion, they should have been loyal to you, but that's a whole other story. And I'm, and I'm glad that you, that, that it turned out the way that it did. Now, my question for you about marketing, because I know you've done not much marketing, everything's been very organic. Everything that you have had in terms of growth has rested upon word of mouth. Right. Now, one of the things that I want to say that I don't know that a lot of our listeners, just the everyday listener would know is that, Sticker beans is really, really big in the camp community, meaning like you guys have heard me talk about my kids going to overnight camp. Nowadays, you cannot send packages to your children at overnight camp. We used to be able to get boxes. Now you can't do that. And so what's happened with sticker beans amongst the girls is parents like myself stick the sticker beans in the letters and send them to their kids at camp. And when they get them, they trade them with their friends. And it's become a very, very big cultural phenomenon within the camp world. Now, what do you think happened to to make that happen?
1: Well, again, that is very lucky that it's a sticker that can go in an envelope. I mean, I almost can't talk about it. That's how nervous it makes me. Cause you know, if camps were to, I can't even put this into the like universe, but if camps were to tell parents they could no longer send stickers in the envelope, it wouldn't be great. It wouldn't be great, but I would say they would bring them up on visiting day. And like, I think the parents would still buy them, but you're, there's something about, especially the younger girls, their first or second or third summers. There's something really like that connects. I think a lot of the times the mom or the grandma with the kid that gets the the sticker in the mail. It's just like a really sweet, listen, it's not obnoxious. Like the reason camps banned gifts coming in the mail or boxes of, of stuff coming in the mail is for a very good reason. And that's that our world has become so like
0: materialistic. Over- <laughs> like
1: it's just like everyone tries to outdo the next person. Right? Like, so m- when I went to, to sleep away camp back in the day, if my mom even sent me anything, it was like a crossword puzzle or like a at lips mm-hmm. or whatever it was. Now I can't, I don't want to know again, Definitely a bonus from not having girls. I don't want to know what come, would come in the boxes. There would be Lululemon packages, right? And there would be all sorts of craziness. So I th- I'm a big supporter of no packages at camp, and I don't think there is anything wrong with sending your kid a sticker in an envelope, whether it's my even if it's another sticker, that's like a lovely gesture.
0: But also, you and I have talked about this in the past that it does trickle down to the kids when they come home and part of why i love <clears throat> part of why i love your product is because it gets my kid connecting with other kids. So at camp they were trading, they were bartering. I would, you know, put two in and be like, "Give this to so and so or use this to trade." And i just find that in today's world where we're so attached to technology and our kids are so reliant upon technology to communicate, that sticker beans actually helps my child to communicate and to connect with others without the iPad or screen in front of them,
1: right? I mean, we've talked about this a lot. Obviously, this is like a another bonus. I, you know, nothing that I thought about eight years ago, but it does make us feel super good that kids are playing together, talking about their collections, sending each other, like you know, it, it, it's just it's really positive stuff. I've, I mean, we've gotten some amazing stories over the years. I think one of them was this summer, and I think you know about it, Lindsay, where. A little girl had like, you know, we have stickers that are retired and, and, and they've become valuable. I'm not talking about in, in a dollar way, but people like treasure them and are nervous about losing them. And this little girl brought her book to camp and didn't realize that she had such a rare sticker and said to the mom on her call, I'm sending my sticker home. I'm feeling way too much pressure. Everyone's trying to talk me into why I should trade for the sticker and I don't want it here because I don't want to feel that pressure, which smart of her, right? But she sent the sticker home in an envelope. You know those letters where you just like fold it and stick the sticker and the, the envelope has no sides, so it's yep. wide open. It was probably <laughs> seven years old. And the mom, like literally, was devastated. She got this letter, she opened it and it said, Dear mom, please put this somewhere safe. So she knew exactly what was supposed to be in the the envelope and it wasn't there so I get an email um, on a weekend I still I do check my I know Lindsay, I'm not supposed to check my email on the weekend but I still do <laughs> and it said, you know dear who, you know to whom it may concern SOS, like I need help and, I, and truthfully, I had to go deep into the arc I had to go into the bowels of our, our storage room to see if I could find a sticker that matched this this sticker and I did. I did. And we sent it to the mom. And honestly, I feel like (laughs) it was wild.
0: You know, one of the things that you just said that I think is um, also a testament to your company is just how you were involved in this. and And you went and found the sticker. And I think a lot of people who know sticker beans thinks that sticker beans is like this huge operation. And you are really a lean, lean team. And you have the operations down to a science. You really do so explain to everyone how big your team is
1: (laughs) so it's on an everyday basis it's me my partner kim and our other partner Alyssa, who happens to be my sister which is just that's like the icing on the cake and that's another like side story but she loves it here we love having her she's invaluable to us we each have like roles that are distinct um to how we do things but like without each of us it would be really hard um And then we do have, like, ongoing, like, either internships or part-time people, a lot of times students um, that work. Like, so right now we have two girls that are working part-time here. The summer we hire a bunch of interns because the summers are crazy. And that's it. I mean, we had our stickers. We had a partner that we worked with for a little bit a bunch of years ago. We talked about this, that wanted to, like, blow up our company, change everything, put us into this gigantic fulfillment center, And, um, it was a nightmare. You know, what? we have a few hundred SKUs and I'm not saying there aren't fulfillment centers out there. Like, give me a break. Amazon handles millions of SKUs, right? But they could have done it. But we got into the hands of a fulfillment center that every other day we'd get an email or a phone call, like that they, someone got the wrong stickers. So we do the fulfillment here. We have a storage room, which Lindsay's been to a stock room. I should say not a storage room and a storage room, but where we, I mean, I don't do orders anymore. I've, I've actually graduated, but up until about a year ago, I was still picking and packing. So we have, you know, our girls that are here help us. And um, and there are days where we have hundreds of orders and then there are days that are like slower days. It's not like, you know, we're not Amazon, but it's a, it is a well-oiled machine and we do everything here. And the truth is because of that, we don't have mistakes
0: very rarely. Now, is this, do you want to keep it like that? Or do you want to, Grow it to a point where you aren't as much in the weeds, and Alyssa and Kim are not as much in the weeds. What is your vision for this?
1: Um, what I'm, what I've been learning, and, and what you and I have worked on a lot is just trying to pass things on that I can, like things that are passable, things that someone that is equipped can do. Um, I ideally, I would not like to pass if I could keep fulfillment in-house and just hire more people as I need them I feel like it's I feel very proud of the fact that our orders get executed really quickly people are always shocked
0: I very were, quickly I am I was shocked when I when I ordered stuff recently you, yeah. like this summer. I was like oh it got here in like three days I was like what I know,
1: I know. so people are always shocked by the customer service and I'm proud of that um, and also I'm not saying mistakes don't happen. We're all human. There's some, once in a while we'll get an email, like I ordered the heart this and I got this and, and you know what we do the next day, they get three more stickers sent out. Um, I have no, I mean, I don't know. That's like champagne problems. Like if, if we're too busy and I have to someday look into a different fulfillment process, I will, but right now it's fine. I do feel like grateful when I can hand off tasks to other people, you know, that, I am a absolute control freak. I have no problem admitting that. I, this is my baby. I've grown this from like, it's like, I, I don't feel all that differently than I do about my kids. I I feel like I am responsible for every ounce of it, which is makes my role challenging, because I am definitely- Don't def- you think that
0: that's a very common founder trait? Uh,
1: you know what I have to say about that? If you don't have that in your DNA, like if that's not how you're feeling, walk like it's not worth it if you like I love it I I never I don't I I think like five times a year I wake up and say what the hell am I doing like what am I doing but other than that I'm only on really bad days do I say uh, do I really have to do this anymore but other than that I I hop out of bed in the morning I am psyched to have a place to go that I love to do what I love and
0: I know that I'm valuable here and without me it wouldn't be great. So you've been around for almost 10 years. How do you guys keep it fresh? Obviously your end user is very cyclical because they age out of the product, but how do you keep it fresh? And so that sticker beans is not just a fad. I mean, sticker beans has grown. It's not like it's stayed stagnant. Like it has grown and continues to grow. And it is still something that girls really want and love and even more girls across the country, even outside of camp are wanting now? That's the goal. Um, I attribute that to the
1: creative part of, um, Kim and I, so Kim and I work as a team. She does, she's pretty good at like, um, wait, so like we don't even really, we have, we have graphic artists and like, We have a few designers out there that on occasion will send like ideas to, to like help us like finish it. But other than those handful of times, Kim and I have like literally taught ourselves how to work certain apps and certain, you know, Canva and this and that to like figure out design. We sit down and we brainstorm. We'll spend like, we've been doing this for like the last week. This is the part that you don't even know, Lindsay, that in the last week, Kim and I have been here every day for like at least six hours a day. We will pretty much pump out our whole planogram for January through August. In And it's like we're like more than halfway done. We just sit down, we brainstorm, we go through. We like it just I think that the it's the creative piece of us that makes it a success. And the stickers they're getting better. They just are. I I, I don't know how that's possible, but we're just getting more creative. And just when you think like, how are we going to come up with another sticker? Cause I have like 200 of them behind me. We have another hundred in the works right now.
0: Can you talk about how we touched upon it earlier, but I'd love for you to share a little bit how you talk, how you guys make the stickers exclusive and how you discontinue them and retire them. I think that this is a really really big part of your business and your success Mm -hmm. and i also would like for you to touch upon what happened when you started talking about that more because i think from a marketing standpoint if you have a product it's really that it's a really great strategy to implement in your business right um
1: so it's interesting we get attached to the stickers and and we don't really like saying goodbye the ones that are easy to say goodbye to, if I were just completely being honest here, are the ones where we're like, it wasn't like our best sticker. You know, for me to tell you all 200 are our best, best, that would be a lie. So, you know, every now and again, you get a sticker that's like not your favorite. That That's the sticker that's so so easy to retire. I mean, because you're like happy it's gone. But the ones that you like get attached to and really love and the ones that I've sold 15,000 or 20,000 or 50,000 even we've of one sticker, um, that, that gets tricky. Um, honestly, it's just like they have their time and we just, we just pick a time to say goodbye. I think that when we came up with the idea of our squad, that was how we made a commitment, which is a limit, super limited edition sticker. We come out with two on the first of every month, um, which is hard to do. And we order I never say out loud how many we order because I don't, it's like kind of, that's like private stuff, but we order set amount and it's like, what's the phrase? Like set it and forget it. Like we literally order it and it's done. So when it sells out and and they do, they're gone forever. It's like instantly a a rare sticker that helps. That has helped a lot.
0: So and- a couple months ago, wait, I want to interrupt you. A couple months ago, you had a you the squad sold out in like three weeks, and
1: mm-hmm. I remember
0: very vividly you and I had a conversation, and you were like, "I don't know what to do because I love this squad, and like, can I reorder them?" And I said, "No, I said you can't because it defeats the whole purpose, right?" As,
1: um, yeah. So, in the squad, we we try really hard to make the squad special. Like we try to make them really good stickers, so that when they are gone we we do feel the loss of the sticker being gone but it's the way it's meant to be
0: when lila gets a squad in the mail she goes crazy because she's like oh my god these are the really rare ones even if she doesn't like it you know not all of the squad ones are her favorites oh
1: i can't even tell you the like theories we've talked about this a little that kids have come up with that i it's folklore literally it's like I, get, I got a call yesterday. I, get, I got a call from my mom yesterday with her three daughters in the car saying, hi, I'm in the car with my three girls. And I need, if you don't mind, for you to clarify something. They were told that if you get three of the same sticker, they could send them in to trade in for a jumbo sticker. I have no idea where that came from. Or like, there's a theory out there that, the backing of our sticker, which kind of changes based upon the material we use in the printing process, that if it's a certain backing, that means it's super rare. But if it's the other backing, it's just normal rare. I'm letting these things. I don't. I'm good with the the whole thing because it's all fun. But I've not ever said these things out loud.
0: Diana, what's the been the most exciting moment since you started Sticker Beans?
1: Um, we've had a lot of really exciting moments. I can't lie. It was really cool. Um, I'm trying to think of what year it was. There was a Christmas when a, someone on the today show put them on like the most wanted stocking stuffer. I think that was like, cause they're little. Um, and it broke, we broke the, inter- like it, our, our website broke it was, it was crazy. We did wild amount of sales in like 20 minutes. That was, that was exciting.
0: So one of the ways you have grown your business is through licensing and you've had some incredible partnerships with some incredibly synergistic brands. Talk a little bit about how that came to be and where that's gone, because it wasn't like one license and that's it. And I think now this has become a really big priority for you and your business in terms of, growing and getting in front of more eyeballs.
1: Right, so one thing I've said to you a bunch of times is that um, some of the, I don't want to say smaller because it's not even like the right, but they are smaller. But some of our smaller partners, they were licenses. Um, they all, actually not some of them, came to us because they had a daughter or a niece or someone that they care about that somehow became a collector and fell in love with the sticker. So, one of the first ones was Love Shock Fancy and, you know, Baked by Melissa. Um, I, I don't want to name, you know, we have a whole bunch in the works. I don't want to say easy, but it is easy, right? Because take Bake by Melissa, for example. We did a their like signature rainbow cupcake and a sticker. I, it didn't, I didn't have to think of that, right? The this, this sticker, the image was the image and this, it translated well into a sticker and we, and, at least in the tri-state area and I'm sure in most metropolitan areas, people know of Baked by Melissa. So it was just like an instant hit. I mean, it was kind of an, it was like a easy partnership. So once we had those established and they were successful and we knew licensing was a great um, addition to what we were doing and we started, you know, just making connections to others, slightly bigger, we're doing it in baby steps. You know, I'm a firm believer in not um, committing to things that you can't do well or overextending. Um, as long as I want to keep business here as like, like you addressed earlier as trimmed down as we are here, I don't want to like take on something that will put me out of business or like make me feel like actually stressed out and overwhelmed. Um, so we do have some amazing licenses. Our Care Bear license has been fabulous and we, you know, I wasn't sure Care Bears is a little like retro and, but the kids
0: absolutely love them. Um, so one of the things that you just said is something that I love about you and it's that you don't bite off more than you can chew. And I do think that you have such a great sense about you and your business and what you are capable of, but at the same time, you want to grow and you just do it slowly. And I think there are a lot of founders out there and so many people who are listening who just really rush to do things and rush to get things done. And oftentimes that sets them back. So what would you tell someone as they're looking to roll out new initiatives based on your own experience? And I I mean, I think you do this really well. Right. Um,
1: It's the only time I wish I had more people here. You know, I think if it's really a function of if you have the manpower and you could Kind of, if you're good at designating and there are people that could take these big projects on, then I actually don't believe in holding back. Like, I there are times where I wish I had just like my own licensing person here in the office that could just manage licensing, for example, because I pretty much do that. So, um, I think you just have to weigh the pros and the cons. Like, every time you bring someone into your world or into your team, if it's the right fit, you know it and it helps, but if it's like I have found, not always, but I have found for me that sometimes I find myself like doing the work for the other person. Like it's really a gift if you find someone to work with that gets what your needs are and can kind of execute without. Because if I have to tell someone every single thing to do, I'd rather just do it myself. And that's that's a little bit of a problem because I do wind up doing it myself a lot. But thanks to you, I've recently passed, you know, a good chunk of responsibility onto other people. Like I was doing all of our, I don't mind sharing it. I was doing all of my bookkeeping and accounting and, and it was taking up so much of my headspace and my time. And I think, you know, we're on like our, like literally first month of like really getting going here with them, but I think it's going to really, really free up a lot of time for me. So I'm really happy about that. Um, I've learned that my time is like too valuable for that. Like I, I can't be doing bookkeeping anymore. I need to really focus on the growth of the business.
0: And the cost that you're going to be spending on bookkeeping is minimal compared to, you know, I mean, the, the opportunity cost is, is such that it makes more sense for you to focus on growing the business. I have to remind myself that every time I think of a great
1: sticker or every time I make a good, um, introduction to like a good partner a license a retailer, or whatever it is I mean dollar for dollar I'm much
0: my time is better spent doing bigger things than that so I asked you a couple minutes ago what your most exciting moment was but what are you most proud of honestly I am definitely most proud of the fact that
1: I was a stay-at-home mom. I mean, by choice. I had the gift of being, uh, you know, I was I had the privilege, I should say, of staying home and raising my three boys. And and I wouldn't I really wouldn't trade that. Um and every single day, I literally I say to Kim and my Alyssa every day, I'm like, "Jesus, thank God we did this. Thank God we came up with this idea for there's two real good reasons." I would not be good if you if i was the girl that had to go meet friends every day for lunch or go play golf or learn how to play canasta or whatever it, i'm not judging anyone that does it it's just not my jam it's just not this is not that would not give me satisfaction all my best friends you know some of them would say like we're good in small doses we we love each other more than anything but we don't need to hang out every day anymore we're fine we it's it's ironic that all of my really really close friends for the most part, have a hobby or a business or something that they're like growing right now. I thank God for that, that I have something to do every day that gives me like satisfaction. And I really, really am happy that my three boys saw that like my value wasn't just cooking and, you know, taking them to their lessons and, and, and not that there isn't such value in that because there was, and they were,
0: were in the sun when you started this. He was pretty young. So it's 10 years. He's 20. He was like 10. But I want to say that because I do think that there are so many women out there that think like, oh, I've stayed home and it's too late. And I always say it's never too late. And you are just the epitome of that. And I know you have other friends who have started later in life as well. And I think that that is it's just a testament to it is never too late to just get started.
1: Ever, but on the flip side, I am very, very sensitive and feel badly in a way that it, it, it's it's never too late, and you, everyone should give it a try because we're not we're not you know fifties and new forties and new thirty whatever the hell people say, but but it is a little bit challenging if all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're forty five years old. And you chose to stay home to raise your kids and you didn't like either keep up with a profession or have a hobby or if there wasn't something that kept you like either in the mix or in the groove or like, no, or you don't have like the networking or whatever it is. If you're just like a a regular, normal, good mom that stayed home to raise their kids and didn't pursue a career or continue a, a career path. I have friends that have said to me many times that like it's it's sad. Like they want something to do and they can't think of it. And you can't really think of it. I, not everyone's going to think of sticker. Right. And if you don't want to be whatever, you know, an attorney or a paralegal or whatever it is you once did in your past life, it's challenging. But I always think that if I didn't have this, I would find something else. I would volunteer. I would like get committed into, I would commit myself to something else.
0: So I have two more things I'm going to ask you. Um, you taught yourselves how to run this business. I mean, you didn't know from boo when you start, when you started, you, you ordered the stickers, they landed. I mean, you've said a couple of times throughout this conversation, I wrote down, like you didn't know about marketing and merchandising. So what would you tell someone who really has a lot to learn when it comes to business? That is something that not to even think about it. Like I was not a
1: business major in school. I majored in communications, whatever the hell that even meant. And, um, I now think I am, I definitely went to business school over the last 10 years, a hundred percent. I mean, I, I, I scaled a business. I know how to run the mark, sorry, the accounting side of my business. So I understand, you know, the debits and credits and how to make sure I manage my money properly here. Um, Forget about that. Like I'm also like a, a graphic designer. And I mean, we have literally gotten degrees in like 16 different things. I mean, honestly. And it's doable. It's very doable. And like, even so our, our head, our, our minds are like, we are still able to like learn things and do things. And you could go out and get a degree at our age, my age, I'm not looping you into my age, by the way, at my age, you could still go out and get a degree to learn something and and pursue it. I believe that I really do believe that. If you all of a sudden wake up one day and you're like, I should have been a, a nurse or a doctor, go do it.
0: Hi guys, it's me, Lindsay. I'm not sure if you're aware, but over the last nine months, I haven't just helped big enterprise brands on their marketing efforts through my consulting firm. I've also helped over a dozen women, small business owners in launching their companies, building their brands, and to tweak what wasn't working. I've been building and growing brands for nearly 25 years, but I've forever used one method to build my own brands and that of my clients and students. My signature sweep method utilizes social media, your website, emails, events, partnerships, and publicity to generate and execute cost-effective community-centric marketing strategies. If you're looking for that added layer of guidance, please reach out. There's a link in my show notes. Book a call with me and let's see how I can help you. I can't wait to meet you and learn about your business. Now back to the show. So my last question is the same question I asked everyone at the end, and that is what are three actionable tips that you would give Another female founder who's just starting out. Um,
1: stick to like definitely. If there's something you believe in, don't let anyone bully you to think that you, it's not going to work or that that you should back down because there's another company doing it better. Or if you have a, if you strongly believe in an idea, just go for it. Also um, have a goal. Stick to the plan. A definitely make sure you're working with people that you trust. So important. Your partners, they can't just be financial partners. They have to be willing to like stay up at night on the phone with you and like meet you on a Saturday in the office and blood, sweat and tears, and maybe not go on a vacation because shit got busy in the office. Like if you can't trust that your partners are in it with you, that's, that's, it's not just a financial, I mean, I know you can have financial partners, that's a separate conversation, but people that are your actual partners that you want to like grow a business with, you have to have like some kind of arrangement where you're in it together. Otherwise you start to resent people. It's really important to sit back and let yourself enjoy the thing, like the good that comes with it. There's a lot of stress in every day running a business and day-to-day business. And like, if you really let it succumb like you succumb to the stress and you don't sit back and say wow like I did this is great this is amazing maybe like treat yourself to something which I just recently started like you deserve like to reward yourself if things are going well like and you should feel like proud honestly you you should feel proud and there's nothing wrong with when someone says to you like congratulations or I can't believe you've done such a great job growing your business you know Say thank you. Like that's good. You know, it's a, all. It's all like, we deserve the recognition. We deserve. It's like blood, sweat, and tears here. Like this is hard work, and I think it's important to like relish in the in the joy of it all and like the, the success of what you've grown.
0: Dana Runyon, co-founder of Sticker Beans. Thank you so much for your time, for your knowledge, for sharing your story with us, and I can't wait to share your story with our community. Thank you, Lindsay. You know I love talking to you. It's a it's a pleasure. I love Dana's story for so many reasons. I love that Dana decided to give this company a try long after she had been a stay-at-home mom and when her kids were back in school. I love that she just went for it, that her and Kim just decided to do it and they learned as they went along. And that is something that so many entrepreneurs do, but that is something that so many entrepreneurs don't do And they wait until they think everything's perfect before just giving it a go. And I love their can-do attitude and they just went for it and look at what they built. So I want you to take out your pen and paper because I'm going to share with you my top five takeaways from today's conversation in no particular order. Number one, word of mouth marketing is key to your business. Even if you think you need paid ads and some of you do, word of mouth marketing is not something to be discounted. Dana built her entire business off of word of mouth marketing and, in, and it has never paid a dime for marketing. Number two, learn as you go, learn as you grow, and that's the epitome of entrepreneurship and that is the epitome of this story. Number three, if you don't love your business like your child, walk away. You want to hop out of bed every morning know that you're valuable at your company and love what it is that you do number four make sure you work with people who you can trust that you can lean on and that you want to grow a business with and number five feel proud and say thank you when someone congratulates you on your business i want to thank dana runyon not only for being here today and sharing her story but for trusting me as my client as well You are an amazing, amazing founder. And I love, love, love working with you. And I love being able to share your story today. And I want to thank all of you for joining us today on Dear Founder to hear this incredible story. If there's anything further that you need from either one of us, you can find us at Sticker Beans or at Lindsey Pinchuk on Instagram. And for now, you can stay tuned for another amazing episode coming your way next week. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you for being here.